So after Stonewall, Marsha joins, and I think it actually was one of the original founders of the Gay Liberation Front, and she participated in the first Christopher Street Liberation Pride Rally on the anniversary of the Stonewall Rebellion. But basically the first Pride Parade. Mm-hmm. She like helped form the first Pride Parade. <laughs> Uh, but then in 1973, both Marsha and Sylvia are banned from participating in the Gay Pride Parade by the Gay and Lesbian Committee, who are administering the event, saying they weren't going to allow drag queens at the marches, and that they were giving them a bad name. And so their response was that they marched in front of the parade. They, like, went in front of it and started <laughs> the Hello and welcome to Broads You Should Know, the podcast about amazing and noteworthy women from history. I am Sarah Gorski. And I'm Sam Eggers. And I'm Justin Xavier. And today, folks, we are bringing you Marsha P. Johnson. I'm really excited to talk with you about her, actually. I'm but very I do excited wanna, to learn about I her. I do want to preempt the whole conversation with saying that she is our first transgendered broad. However, she did not uh, consider herself transgendered, but Mm. all of her pronouns are she. And when I was doing my research, I found a note that said that she variably identified herself as gay, a transvestite, and as a queen, a drag queen, and that her gender expression could most accurately be called gender non-conforming. She never self-identified with the term transgender, but the term was also not in broad use when she was alive. So it wasn't really a recognized word at the time. So I made the call. I think she's abroad. And her pronouns are broad pronouns. And so we're going to do her. But I just wanted to make a note about that to be respectful for her identity. So Marcia was born on August 24th, 1945 in New Jersey. And her given name was Malcolm Michaels. Her mother was a housekeeper and her father was an assembly line worker at General Motors. Uh, And around age five, she started to wear dresses. Mm. And the neighborhood boys gave her a really, really hard time about it. Sounds about right. What year is this again? Uh, So it was 1945 was when she was born. So around the 1950s. Uh, And so she got a lot of harassment from them. So she put pants back on again. Uh, And it's also thought that her mother, who, in her own words, her mother wasn't aware of the LGBTQ community, and she thought homosexuality was, quote, lower than a dog. So there was not support for non-gender conforming business back then. Um, And then in an interview she did later in her life, she talks about around the age of 12 or 13, she was sexually assaulted by a teenage boy, and that pushed her straight back into the closet. Mm -hmm. She was like, you know what? I can't be gay here. I can't think about it. I just have to survive. And then upon her high school graduation, she packed a little bag of clothes and with $15 in her pocket, she went to New York City. So she shows up in New York City and when she gets there, she met a ton more gay people Mm -hmm. and she suddenly felt way more comfortable and, and finally came out and started to be more comfortable about that. And she waited tables in Greenwich Village uh, and she started performing drag. Uh, Her first drag name was Marsha Black. But she later changed it to her now well-known name, Marsha P. Johnson. She said that the Johnson came from the Howard Johnson on 42nd or 40, 44th Street. Uh, so, you know, the we don't have Howard Johnsons in California, but, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> yeah. mm. um, and then she said that the P stood for pay it no mind. Okay. <laughs> Marsha P. Johnson. Pay it no mind. Pay it no mind. I like that. Um, And her drag style, she classified as not serious, 
I think was her <laughs> quote. Because things like high drag and show drag uh, were, required like the buying of a lot of fancy costumes. Mm-hmm. And she had Very no exaggerated, money. right. She was just kind of more or less living on the streets. She was tall and slender, and she dressed a lot in robes and shiny dresses. And she almost always wore fresh flower crowns that were made from the leftover flowers she either found or was given because she used to sleep under the tables in the flower district. Wow. Oh, wow. She'd get flowers. Yeah. She also was really known for dressing in ways that combined masculine and feminine at the same time. Mm-hmm. So in drag culture, that was like a like a new, that wasn't something a lot of people did. Mm-hmm. It was like a real, Going with the a real new idea. Androgynous look. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not even androgynous, but like something that's clearly feminine combined with something that's clearly masculine. Mm. And it was kind of like... Okay. Yeah. It was, I like that. That's it was cool. interesting mm-hmm. to read about. Uh, and so I think... Uh, other people distri- described her drag as grassroots, comedic, and political. So she wasn't that fancy highfalutin. She was really like, I don't know, grassroots. Close to the ground. So in 1966, she was more or less living on the streets. Uh, and she was engaged in survival sex. So pro- prostitution yep, by yep. desperation is what, do what you the definition do. of that term mm. is. In connection with her sex work, she was arrested over 100 times and oh even gosh. shot once. Whoa. Oh my God. But... Now we get to like the more familiar part of the story, which may or may not you guys have heard. But she was at ground zero for the Stonewall riots. Mm. But she was one of the first drag queens to go into the Stonewall Inn after they started letting women and drag queens in. Mm. For a long time, the Stonewall Inn was like men only. They didn't let anybody in. Mm. Do you know anything else about the Stonewall Inn? I don't really know much. Uh, I didn't know Stonewall was even a thing until I moved to LA. Which... Well, st- well, the the gen- like the generic description of st- the Stonewall Inn is like that's where the riots began that really kickstarted the gay rights movement. Right. And there were these huge riots, and the police came in, and there were and there were riots for like weeks that start basically started at the inn. Mm-hmm. This, but this in terms bar. of like what like it, it just catered to men, was it? It wasn't known. It as... It was gay men. It was gay men. It was gay men, but they didn't uh, allow any variation of that. Really. Right. Okay. So they didn't want women and they didn't want drag queens in. Mm. And then they started to let the drag queens in and the women in. And so Marsha was one of the first people that was like, oh, I'm allowed in, I'm in. And then she happened to be there the night the riots broke out. Uh, and there's a lot of interesting... So I have my mind like a bit blown because I knew very little about... I, I think I'd seen like some generic stories about... Stonewall, but seen I a lot of memes. Me, I, yeah, not as much. Surprisingly, I don't have my knowledge for memes on this one. Mm. But I'm actually kind of glad I had to actually do the <laughs> the, the, work the groundwork. Um, but it's yeah, I don't I didn't know much. So I'll say this out loud, audience, because if I mess something up, email me about it and let me know because I don't want to mess it up. But it definitely is like this huge area of knowledge that I had knew nothing about. So so there's this. This book written by David Carter called Stonewall, The Riots That Sparked the Gay Revolution. And in it, he identifies Marsha P. Johnson as being one of the three individuals known to have been in the vanguard against the police that night. However, Marsha always denied that she started it. She said that she arrived at 2 a.m. after things had already started. Mm -hmm. Regardless, uh... I'm sure she had some resentments toward police if she's been arrested a hundred times and shot. Oh, yeah. Like, (laughs) oh. It's not clear whether she was shot by police. That part wasn't clear to me. I'm uh-huh. sure I should have done more research on that piece. But she definitely had no love of the police. And neither did most of the people at the Stonewall riots were like, Stonewall riots generically were like, fuck the police. The yeah. police don't care about our rights. Mm-hmm. They're hurting us. They're, They're you know. actively stifling our rights. Mm-hmm. It, exactly. So even though she denies that she started it, other people that were there, so there were some other veterans and gay activists 
uh, Morty Manford and Marty Robinson. They said on the first night, Johnson, quote, threw a shot glass at a mirror in the torched bar, screaming, I got my civil rights. And later, that was described as, quote, the shot glass that was heard around the world. It was also claimed that in the riots, Marsha had thrown a brick at a police officer. But then Marsha claims herself that she wasn't at the Stonewall Inn when the rioting broke out. Instead, she heard about it and she went to get her friend Sylvia Rivera, who was at a park uptown, to tell her about it. So there's all these like weird, like people saw you there, she was there, I wasn't there. I mean, and so what this like if I was there when it started and if I maybe started it, I would pretty much hold that I wasn't there for the rest of my life. Well, that's not why. Why actually? No. So here's what is crazy and not crazy, but what blew my mind is that there was so much feeling against transgendered people, drag queens inside the gay movement itself that they thought that if they put like non-normal gay people in the spotlight, that it was actually going to hurt their movement. Yeah. Which is so fascinating. I didn't know that. And like now I think we've progressed, generically speaking, some people obviously still don't understand such things, but generically we all have kind of accepted that that non-gender conforming is just a part of how how some you know how people, some people are, are and yeah. that's just a thing but then back then it was like still very weird yeah. and and not respected and people were like we don't want that associated so that's part of the reason uh that that they think that her name was like sort of said that she was there but then people like doubled down like they backed off and were like oh no actually she was you know this is all these like she was or she wasn't we can't tell so they were saying that she wasn't there to help the cause or they were saying that she was there there was conflicting reports Uh there was everybody had different motivations they were like oh she's here she threw the shot glass she threw a brick at a police officer but then other people were like no she wasn't there she wasn't one of the frontliners and then later she was like oh i wasn't it wasn't me i wasn't Hmm. so why you know her motivations i'm not i'm not quite sure but maybe somebody asked i don't maybe someone asked her to say that or to double back or maybe she wanted to stay out of trouble with the police it's you know it could be all the above but i found it super fascinating because the stonewall riots now are such an icon in the gay rights movement. It's this moment of, mm-hmm. of great overturn and great change. So it's so fascinating. So after Stonewall, Marsha joins, uh, joins, and I think it actually was the one of the original founders of the Gay Liberation Front. And she participated in the first Christopher Street Liberation Pride Rally on the anniversary of the Stonewall Rebellion in uh, June 19... Oh gosh, I lost the year. 1970-something. It was the year after Stonewall. <laughs> which was which year? God, I fucked it up. <laughs> but basically, the first Pride Parade. Mm-hmm. She like helped form the first Pride Parade. Uh, and in August 1970, she in and uh, fellow Gay Liberation Front members they staged a sit-in protest at Weinstein Hall at NYU after administrators canceled a dance when they found out it was sponsored by a gay organization. Gay organizations, a few of them. So they were really that um, particular sit-in got a lot of notice in the movement. It was like a big, a big moment at NYU. They did this this big protest. Then she and her close friend Sylvia Rivera, the same Sylvia she might have gone up to Uptown to wake up the night of Stonewall, they find they co-found together the Street Transvestite Action Revolutionaries, also called the Star Organization, and they both become this huge visible presence at gay liberation marches and other 
uh, radical political actions. Uh, but then in 1973, both Marcia and Sylvia are banned from participating in the gay pride parade by the gay and lesbian committee who are administering the event, saying they weren't going to allow drag queens at the marches and that they were giving them a bad name. And so their response was that they marched in front of the parade. They like went in front of it and started <laughs> the parade. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. During a gay rights I love this one. During a gay rights rally in New York City Hall in the in the early 70s, uh, a reporter asked Marsha why they were demonstrating, and she shouted into the microphone, Darling, I want my gay rights now! <laughs> Around the same time, uh, she was confronted by police officers who were arresting her for hustling, which we already knew she did, mm -hmm. and she hit them with her handbag, which contained two bricks. That's <laughs> what <laughs> so you gotta do. So when the judge asked her why she was hustling, Johnson explained that she was trying to secure enough money for her husband's tombstone. <laughs> which, you know, gay sex was not, same-sex marriage wasn't legal at all at that mm -hmm. point. And then the judge asked, well, what happened to this alleged husband? And Marsha replied, pigs killed him. Oh, so she was initially sentenced to 90 days in prison, but her lawyer convinced the judge to send her to Bellevue Hospital instead. Oh, jeez. So the hospital, as we all can guess, is a place where people with mental disorders were not treated mm -hmm. very kindly. Mm -hmm. But it was better than prison. And it, like, is it? Yeah. I, I mean, mean it it's probably safer. For her. I mean, if uh, to be fair, they probably would have sent her to a men's prison where she probably would have been raped and killed. Like, yeah. like quite so, that's what I mean, yeah. like at least yeah. at a hospital. And I think um, some of the articles I read said that they would just dope her up with a bunch of drugs. Mm. And it would take her like almost months to kind of come down from them and get back to her usual self after she was really... So this ended up not being her first visit to Bellevue Hospital. Mm. I'll talk a little more well, about Well, I mean, I, I bet but. some of the other patients were probably non-judgmental and very mm. accepting of her as she was. I don't know. More than prisoners. I think yeah. better than... I think that's what, like, of the two yes. options, which is better. Mm. So she uh, is released from Bellevue Hospital. That wasn't her first encounter with the police, nor Bellevue Hospital, and it won't be her last. But around the same time she was released, her and Sylvia, who had, they had previously founded the Star Org together, but in 1972, they also formed Star House, which is a shelter for gay and trans street kids. And I think, like, think now, if you guys watch the show Pose, Mm -hmm. And the houses, uh, and how these drag queen mothers—they'd take in these kids and take care of them, right? So they don't have to serve. sleep on the street. Yeah, and basically are like kind of like sub, like replacement mothers. Basically, mm -hmm. this is exactly what we're talking about. Okay. Her and Sylvia form this house, and houses already exist, but most of them were focused on drag performances specifically. Mm -hmm. Whereas for Marsha, she she really just was working to provide the the food, clothing, emotional support, sense of family for all of these these street kids, mm. queens, trans women, gender nonconformists, other gay street kids that were living on Christopher Street. So she was the she was the drag mother of Star House. That's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a, it's awesome. I I hadn't when I watched Pose, I didn't know that that was even a thing that happened. And then I'm reading these this history of Marsha, mm -hmm. and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is exactly what. Mm -hmm. I wondered uh, about that too. Like, yeah. is this real? It must be based it's on 100% something. It's 100 real, and That's based wild. on I, like it, I have to think, having watched Pose, I think I'm behind a season because I don't pay for the right channel. <laughs> Same. But, but uh, I have to think that partially the main character in Pose is based on Marsha because there's like a ton of similarities. It has to be. Um, don't quote me on that, everybody. And I'm sorry if that's wrong. <laughs> uh, uh, so in the 1980s, uh, Marsha continues her street activism. She's a respected organizer and she is uh, an organizer and Marshall with ACT UP, which was for, it was uh, HIV and AIDS 
support and activism. She continued to perform this whole time. She never stopped performing. She was a member of the drag performance troupe Hot Peaches from like 1972 to the 1990s, which is like I think one of the more famous drag troupes that has ever existed. She performed with the Coquettes and the Angels of Light. I'm not, of course, in the drag community, so I don't know how popular they are, but mm-hmm. supposedly they are very popular groups. And in 1975, she was photographed by Andy Warhol as uh, a part of his series Ladies and Gentlemen. And there's this really great portrait. I'll put it on the website. Uh, and then for decades, this is like a side fact, but for decades, she was known as the mayor of Christopher Street. Hmm. I think that's the where her the Star House was, mm-hmm. and she was an activist with uh, an AIDS activist with ACT UP for like it looks like eighty seven through ninety two. So she was kind of on the forefront of the activism around all of that going on in the eighties. There is like now we're gonna like segue to like the sadder stuff about Marsha. Um, because she definitely had a dark side. She had this this beautiful, amazing drag persona. She was super well-known to be generous and warm-hearted and saintly. But sometimes she would flip over and there was this really violent side of her. Uh, her friends, and I think herself, identified that side of her as, as Malcolm, this, mm. which is, if you remember, the, the name she was born with. Mm-hmm. Um, and her friend Robert Hyde said that she could be really aggressive and short-tempered and she would speak in a deeper voice and she'd become like a really nasty, vicious man looking for fights. And when this happened, she'd often get in fights and she'd wind up hospitalized and sedated and friends would have to organize and raise money to bail her out mm. and or they'll try to get her out of places like Bellevue. Um, and like roughly described that her issue, though undiagnosed that way, was a, a schizophrenic personality kind of. So that's what, you know, she went in and out of hospitals a lot. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it kind of, like, the older she got through, like, the 80s and early 90s, her mental state kind of was increasingly unstable. Mm-hmm. It's amazing what being mistreated as a child would do to you. Amazing. Uh, and then uh, around the time of her death, her mental state was particularly fragile, her friends said, and that she was sick often and really struggling. Now, her death is, like, this whole other ball of wax, And I don't know the full history of crimes against transgendered folks, but her death is, I think, well considered to be one of the first kind of well-known murders of a transgendered person. And maybe not the first, sorry friends if that is not right, but... It's one of the first times it like made headlines. And there's been so many since, it's still such a problem. So Yeah, oh yeah, it happened like a month ago. Yeah, all over, all the time. all the time. It's horrific. So the way it went down is that really shortly after the Pride Parade in 1992, her body was discovered floating in the Hudson River. (sighs) And the police were like, ah, it's suicide. And all of her friends and community members were like, she would never commit suicide. She had lots of mental problems, but was never suicidal. She had a lot of people relying on never. her. And like she had this, and all of her friends in the corner were like, there's this big weird wound on the back of her head. Mm. And the police were like, nah, it's suicide, it's suicide. Probably happened by accident. Mm. Yeah. And supposedly there was even a witness that saw a neighborhood resident fighting with Marsha on uh, July 4th, 92. And during the fight, he used a homophobic slur. And later he bragged to someone at a bar that he had killed a drag queen named Marsha. Uh. But the police closed the case of course they did with suicide as cause of death and now the case has since people have tried to reopen it several times it was reopened once uh, officially because the officials were like no we don't want to touch this we don't want to touch this and then finally um, someone was able to crack it open because the police who decided to close the case had retired or something who 
fucking know. Right. Uh, I'm sure, like, the, I'm sure that this is a whole... And actually, there's lots of documentaries out there right now, I think. In the last, like, 10 years, there's been a lot of documentaries. So I bet there's some more answers there, and I wasn't able to... Watch them. ...dig as far right. into all of it as I really wanted to, because it's it deserves everybody's attention. But the case was reopened once, uh, and the cause of death was changed to undetermined, so it wasn't suicide anymore. And then, as of 2016, Victoria Cruz, uh, with the Anti-Violence Project, also tried to get Marsha's case reopened, and did succeed in gaining access to a bunch of previously unreleased documents and witness statements. And Mm. she got some new interviews with witnesses and friends and other activists. Uh, And the police who had worked the case at the force at the time of of the problem murder. So it hasn't been fully changed yet. And it sounds like it's still kind of, it sounds like that investigation actually is still open. Mm -hmm. There's a whole documentary about um, Cruz's work. What's that called? The Death and Life of Marsha P. Johnson. So, uh, and it's mostly archival footage and interviews with people, which I'm fascinated to watch now. Wish I could have seen it before I, before we recorded. Um, there's also been a lot of other documentaries. There was another one in 2012. She's also been in several fictional films. Uh, and then there's, she's had a lot of tributes. Uh, RuPaul calls Marsha an inspiration and describes her as the true drag mother. And during it, there was an episode of RuPaul's Drag Race in 2012 where RuPaul told the contestants that Marsha paved the way for all of them. And so there's been like a lot of really lovely, I think, tributes to her mm-hmm. since then. So she's not forgotten and it's, her death is still being investigated now. But she was an awesome broad. And um, yeah. <laughs> no matter how exactly she was involved in Stonewall that mm-hmm. night, she was a part of it and she was at the epicenter of it. And mm-hmm. she really she really fought for drag rights at a time when there weren't people doing that and when, when drag rights were really downtrodden on. So she is a broad I hope you now are are glad to know about. Yeah, Marsha P. Johnson. Do a little more research on it. I'm definitely going to watch that documentary. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Pay it no mind, guys. Pay, pay, it, no pay it no pay mind. Pay it no mind. And that is Marsha P. Johnson. And this was another episode of Broads You Should Know. Thank you so much for listening. Well, that was Marsha P. Johnson. Pay it no mind. This was another episode of Broads You Should Know. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to support Broads You Should Know, the best way you can do that is to leave us an iTunes review and tell your friends about it. Get everyone to listen. You also can reach out to us on Instagram at Broads You Should Know or email us at broadsyoushouldknow at gmail.com. We'll be back next week to tell you all about another Broad You should know uh, and you also should visit our website broadsyoushouldknow.com we have more info about our broads there and uh, more episodes you guys have a great rest of the day